words say now, LPJM. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's all I got. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor Keith Battle coming at you now with our first edition of our podcast. I got my brothers with me, Larry Page and James Marshall. Yeah, yeah. So glad they could be hey, here. Hey. What's up, brothers? And uh, oh, been getting encouraged to do this. Uh, and so we're going to do it today, and hopefully it's a blessing to you wherever you are and wherever you're listening. Um, guys, I want to talk today just kind of about our culture and our theology and how they are married and just the culture of being black men and how that relates to our faith. And, uh, you know, we've had these conversations before, but I want to start it with giving a little background about my story hmm. I was not raised in the church when I got saved. I was about 15 years old because my mother got saved when I was 14, and and she made us go to church. But prior to that, we had no religious kind of background in our family. In fact, my first introduction to anything religious was at 12 years old when my brother, my older brother, gave me a Louis Farrakhan tape, and and I would listen to that tape. And you're talking about 40 years ago, hmm. which was an even more kind of really radical Farrakhan at that time, which was really intense. And it wasn't like you could watch Farrakhan on YouTube and it was some edited version. This was Moss talk that was really kind of like down under, like Bow ties. It was underground. <laughs> like you had to get the CD from somebody at the mosque or something like that. Wow. And, and, and so, but that was the only spiritual material I had or I ever been exposed to. And I, it really shaped my kind of my worldview and theology as a 12-year-old. And I, and I think the, the part that I missed maybe was a love for my people, but what I know I got was a hatred for white people. Wow. And, wow. and you know, so much so that I would take that into my, – because my best friend in the fourth grade was a white guy named Joe Schrader. But I almost felt like I was selling out after that time to be, you know, in relationship or community with – people were white because you know they were the enemy and they had done so much to our people historically and even systemically and i remember as a teenager i would watch television and people would be laughing at like jj on good times and i'd be like see look what whitey did to our mind mm. the guy got us cooning on tv <laughs> and I, i'd be calling characters on tv handkerchief heads and uncle toms and like and it was very it was a very few of us who were that age that were talking like that mm-hmm. my cousin kevin we would have conversations about that but dudes out here shucking and jiving and like I, I, I was very I had a very serious side to me that was kind of like black nationalist but I wasn't that was, I wasn't I didn't really know the Lord and when I when I got saved when my mother started going to church I remember telling her I'm not going up in that church that's the white man's religion and wow. preachers of pimp so that was my whole framework but what changed it was my my mother's life was so radically changed and my stepfather who I was living with at the time the two of them that I couldn't deny the authenticity of whatever it was they were getting into so I went to church because they forced me to go and the pastor of the church was an honorable man and so I knew he wasn't you know pimping or stealing money or whatever other thing that I thought about preachers and uh, so I was open to hearing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and and I want to fast forward a little bit because I want to hear how this has impacted you guys too um, and connected to where we are as a church now and some mm-hmm. things we're doing that are a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, you know, early on in my Christian life, when I was around 19 now, so fast forward to 19, 
I'm a student at Prince George's Community College here in Maryland, and um, I was going to, I wasn't really living as a Christian. I accepted Christ at 15, but I wasn't really living a life. And I remember there was a campus ministry at the school where I would go by the table and talk to the people there. And those missionaries who would sit there, a guy named John Mahar and Sammy Kanani, would hear my knowledge of the word and stuff. And so they made me president of the Campus Bible Fellowship, Hmm. not knowing how I was living. Hmm. But what it did was it kind of forced me to live as a Christian because I couldn't be around there chasing girls and still be the guy out there passing out the Christian literature. So it was like forced sanctification. (laughs) And those were guys, because I had a plan to go into comedy. I wanted to study communications like learn my craft of being a communicator, and I wanted to go to California and be do stand-up comedy. That was my plan. Wow. I, you know, I thought that's what I was going to do. They challenged me, "Why don't you go study for the ministry?" It was really weird. And they said, "If you're at a Washington Bible College," and I had never heard of the school, but you know, because I respected them, I went and visited the school, went on the campus. It was a white guy named Doug Lyons who prayed for me and had me in tears. And I was like, and when I went to Washington Bible College, I went into an environment. Now understand. My first introduction to anything religious was kind of black nationalist hmm. teaching, you know, and, and Louis Farrakhan. Then I go into this environment as a Christian, into this white evangelical conservative fundamental Protestant Republican mm-hmm. right wing all the way over there, James Dobson, Jerry Falwell almost. It was just like and and that was what you know, I spent the next six years in that environment getting developed in ministry and learning about the Bible. And so I, I, for years, never knew how to reconcile. I didn't know how to love pe- love my people or black people mm-hmm. without hating white people. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I felt like hating white people wasn't, wasn't an option as a Christian. And so for years, I abandoned that real passion I had for concern mm-hmm. for people of color like me. And it was a class that all of us took at some point under Dr. Barbara Skinner that really challenged me. And for the first time I saw a a, a person who had a strong balance, theologically she was sound, but socially she was so awoke to the the needs of our people and how we needed to use our platform as a church to really do something about the injustice in our Mm -hmm. world. And it was like, wow, like I can't, and it it was so convicting that I took the class again and and when people look at things that happen in our church, because our church never really was social social justice oriented, we didn't do returning citizens work or mm-hmm. get involved in policy or anything. Even though those things existed, we kind of built our church around white evangelical, though seeker sensitive models like Rick Warren's mm-hmm. church or mm-hmm. Bill Hybels' church or Andy Stanley's church or Stephen Furtick's church. Mm. All of our models were white, right? Right, right. Even some of the local models that were successful, we really didn't pay attention to them. We kind of wrote them off as like, oh, that ain't, they ain't really right. doing nothing. And I think subconsciously, and you said this the other day or recently, James, like we kind of grew up thinking that black preachers need, I think you said it like this, they need to be examined, but right, white preachers right, kind of right. got a pass. Right, so, right, right. I mean, absolutely, because, you know, we both grew up at the same type of church and the same church, the same church, Not even the same type. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And for, you know, all of my life coming up and learning about faith and Christianity, I was almost taught that if a white man said it, it was right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if a black man said it, 
it needed to be questioned or examined or right. explored. Let's research yeah, that. Yeah, to <laughs> check its authenticity. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and although we grew up at a black church, mm-hmm. it's just that all the leaders that we look to from a media secular standpoint were all, you know, white evangelical Christians. And it was only about two black men that were really even accepted in the evangelical community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, E.V. Hill. Yep. Yeah. T- Dr. Tony and Evans. Dr. Tony Evans. They yeah. Were, they got a pass. Right, right. But think of the irony of that. Like, we gave credence to white people and question our own. So much so, I even saw it in my own leadership. When I was trying to do church a certain way, when I started Zion Church, I remember some of our key leaders who were opposed to it until they went to Willow Creek and said, okay, we should, we, this is how we're supposed to do it. Yeah. But that's what I was saying, right? And it's almost like in our culture, I don't know if that has something to do with slavery or what, but it's like somewhere in our mind, like if we, if we even, even as we go into this new building project, it's like, it's like if we sit down with a white engineer who tells us this sure. is exactly what you need acoustically, Oh yeah. Then it's like that's that's bond. Right, right, right. But if if Steve Jackson said, "Look, this is what y'all going to need." We're like, "Yeah, well let's 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 get some other bids on this." Right? And yeah. I think that's it that's real talk for yeah, me. Yeah. It's 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 a shame that it is that way, but I think that's a reality in our community. <laughs> it it it, it mm-hmm. seems to be a suspicion around the knowledge and understanding of black men. Mm -hmm. And I don't know for me personally, if it had to do with the fact that my father wasn't one of the founders in my mind of faith and religion. I mean, Mm -hmm. he never made much of a voice in when it comes to religion or faith at all in my life. And so I never heard a black man. Wow teach yeah, faith sure. or teach yeah. Bible or teach religion. It was always my mom. Wow. So, so when you think about it, it it's, it's not that we don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to teach and give deep thought. Right. But when you've been in bondage and most of your time is spent hustling, yeah, there's not a lot of leeway to think about theology, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. think about, you know, um, you know, science and technology. I mean, most most of us, we our men were hustlers. Right, 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 right. Um, so when I look at e- even even my first experience, you know, I came up out of a, a evangelical, whitewash view of God. Right, right. There was no other option. Mm. I didn't have anything else to compare it to. <laughs> right, right, right. When I look at my bookshelf, most critical thought. Mm-hmm. Is authored by people that don't look like me. Right, right. It wasn't right. until it wasn't until I was in seminary that I was challenged by a professor to write a paper, and he told us, "Do not, you do not have to agree with the commentator." Mm-hmm. That was my woke moment. And so when I when I wrote the paper, I wrote, "Do you realize how difficult this is? Because all my life I have qualified what was right by what was white." Wow. <laughs> and you know, it takes it takes what I what I appreciate that, you know, here we are going on, you know, a public platform to admit our our kind of enslaved mentality, right? Mm. Or you know, like what we what you did, which I thought you said was deep, like when James said that a lot of this can stem from the fact that we didn't get our theological yeah. 
construct and narrative from our fathers, right? And I know that's the case with me and it's the case with all three of us. <laughs> right. There wasn't a man in our house who discipled us or mentored us. Right. But when you said, but our fathers were hustling. Yeah. Now, isn't it interesting that when it comes to hustling and street and women, we actually do value their opinion on that game. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Like, like, sure. see what I'm saying? Like, if we want to, we don't know how you, how you, how you move, how you move product, how you move drugs, <laughs> how you, you know, how you run women or whatever, whatever the thing was. We definitely think that they are subject matter experts on those things. Sure. So it does speak to, because when I think about it and I look at some of our leaders and their children do seem to be very respectful of their uh, father's theology or their, 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 their blackness in their theology, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that their dads were the, the, the lead disciplers in their life. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, look at the people who are radical when it comes to faith, people in the Western society, in the Western part of the world. I mean, these mm-hmm. people who will strap bombs to their chest. Mm-hmm. They're not learning this stuff from women. There's mm-hmm. men of their same culture sure. who are pouring these type of ideologies into them, mm-hmm. and it, it, it almost empowers them from a standpoint. Wow. I mean, it, it, and they start from children. You, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What difference would it have made for us as children to have black men that we were connected to by, you know, relationship-wise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, blood, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. To have poured yeah. that type of thought into our minds growing up. I mean, it would have made a huge difference. Yeah. I got a question for you, PB. Mm-hmm. Um, what what made you continue? Uh, you, so you got the tapes. You you were, I won't say radicalized, but he mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you had your first experience yeah. by getting the tape. What made you keep listening to it? Because it wasn't well, a person. This was an audio that you, what, what, what connected to you in that? I don't know. It was, it was so, I always felt like it was so different than what I was hearing all day. Okay. Like it, it wasn't sitcom. It wasn't, it was a worldview that, that challenged a lot of the things that we were accepting. Okay. Right. Like, like again, most of it entertainment, like, like when you hear, uh, some of our, some of our older pillars in the community talk Mm -hmm. about our entertainment and it being, degrading of women and mm-hmm. being you know making us look dumb and stupid and silly like like I was like wow that's that's so interesting it was just intriguing and I felt like I guess I had a hunger for 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 information that I wasn't getting anywhere else like he was and he was compelling like in the in mm-hmm. fact in fact I could say during that time like if you weren't a church grower a church goer like if you had, if there was a prophet to the black community, it was Farrakhan. Yeah. Like he was yeah. that voice, like in the community, like you, you could hear his tapes playing in different cars and stuff. And, and so, um, but I don't know what kept me going back to it and listening to it over and over again, other than the fact that I was hearing something that was, that was different than what I was typically hearing all day. Like that made me, that made me question the education I was getting, sure. how I was being taught. It just made me start looking at the world systemically in a different through a different lens. Right. Like everything, it 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 made me start looking at life through that through a lens that was all colored by race and hmm. prejudice and discrimination. I just started seeing it everywhere, like how I would be looked at when I walk in the store. Like he was saying those things, and I was like, it gave it gave light to. 
to things that I didn't understand. Like you start connecting dots when you start getting this kind of information. So that I think that fed my interest in hearing it. Man, that's and, and that's, that's not only big. I think when I when I hear you say that, you heard something different. Um, we're talking about identity. I mean, I think to be able to hear somebody speak your language mm-hmm. in a way that you can relate to, it not only gets your attention, uh, but really the, the the person who has the ability to help you see yourself yeah. wins you over. Mm-hmm. I think we, as a church, one of the things I celebrate about what we're doing right now is we're taking advantage of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity is there are a lot of people that's, that's you. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. you back then, but the first person that's getting to them to talk about who they are in their context, mm-hmm. where, where are, where's the church when it mm-hmm. comes to that? So mm-hmm. I, I, I celebrate the fact that um, we got an opportunity to do, do this and talk about our race with the background of our, of our faith. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. some people get on deck and they talk about our faith, they talk about race without our faith. Right. A lot of kids get caught up in Islam. Yeah. A lot of people getting caught up in Pan-Africanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So where has the black evangelical been or when it comes Umar to this Johnson Or Umar is, Johnson. Is probably He's the man the right voice. now. Like, yeah, he probably has the ear of a lot of young African-American men that, like Farrakhan, had my ear. You right. Know? And so, so, you know, that... I guess my here's I want to shift shift stu- subjects a little bit because mm-hmm. um, there's a movie out that's gotten a lot of attention. I haven't seen it yet. My wife and I are going Shame to see it tomorrow. Shame on you. Yeah, well, we you know <laughs> uh, just schedule wise, I haven't been able to see it. But my wife and I are going to see it today. But I'm cool with y'all talking about some of the some of the things that you got from it. Like what what Spoiler. what, what oh, did it man. do? <laughs> well, yeah, well, and you know what? In light of that, <laughs> like like. Let's say, what did the movie do for you without talking about the movie? Yeah. How, 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 about we, how do we do that? You know, you know there was a white details. pastor, was a white yeah, pastor in tough, California man. that said the movie was so deep well, he's, that he got to a point where he said, I'm, I'm he so, said, I'm to so be proud to be man. black, man. Yeah, then he realized <laughs> he wasn't. Uh, guy, um, Irwin. Irwin McMenus. Okay. Well, he's not he fully was, white. He's yeah. white and Mexican, like, mixed, yeah. you know. <sighs> Man, so I'm, I, I know you shifted. I'm gonna shift forward and backwards. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing of identity, being able to hear excellence mm-hmm. in your skin, yeah, game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Farrakhan. I mean, you can say what you want about him. He's articulate. Mm-hmm. He's knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. He's really. He was the first theologian for a lot of us. I think that for a lot of African Americans. Um, but black, the movie Black Panther. Uh, not only gave us a production, it gave us a product. Like the people behind the movie, man, every they took our narrative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the struggles of right now right. and yesterday, mm. and put it on the screen and showed us what it looks like to overcome the struggle. Mm. You know, and, and then in the movie world, black people have typically have been portrayed so stereotypical. I mean, either we got to be drug addicts Good time. or strippers <laughs> or, right. or in the streets or hustlers and things right. like that. And I think that this movie really exposed the beauty in our culture, the innovation in our culture, the creativity mm-hmm. in our culture. And it really began to put that on the silver screen, so to speak. Right. And it gave us something as as a culture to celebrate. Like, mm-hmm. 
look at us being amazing in a movie that's it's, I mean, it's making history right. as far as the income sure. in the box office. But this is a movie that's making history, and we're not portrayed as a, a street hustler or you know or just a rapper or right. something like that. Or a dirty cop. Exactly. We're portrayed mm-hmm. as kings, Good. you know, and queens and. And, you know, just uh, it, people who lead the way in innovation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so without giving the details away. The, yeah, the, stop. It, the stop. Image. Stop it, man. You know, he oh, on the verge. Man, I'm not. Man, I'm not he on the verge. Can I just, can man, I say this? But, you know, the, the, the I, crazy thing is social media has already given most of it away. I mean. Well, the, I think people have been kind. <laughs> I, I really don't know exactly what I'm going to see tomorrow. Let me say I mean, something, I, man. I, 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 I've, I've been changer. careful about. Uh, so. I want, let me ask you this. You know. So, so, so is, I, I, maybe I shouldn't ask that, but I, I always wonder, like, people talk so well of the movie. Is there, is there, is there anybody out there that would question anything about it or say, man, that scene some people needed some it. work? I mean, like, is that, do you lose your black card if you just say, man, they needed to, no, know, no, I mean, should have brushed his teeth on that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, that. it's a comic book movie. And so everyone who are deep comic book fans are going to debate the, validity of the movie in comparison to the historical Black Panther comic book scenes. I mean, so, Mm -hmm. you know, you got some stuff like that going on, but I don't think anyone, in my opinion, can debate how amazing the acting was. I mean, these are black actors. I mean, one girl who was in the movie, she's a... There you go. Uh, oh, my bad. I'm not going to say too much. much. She's a Guyanese actor from Guyana. This is on, her Doc. first. What kind of actor yeah. is she? Guyanese. You like that one right there. You're doing good, man. <laughs> Did he say that correctly? <laughs> hey, know this. She's a Guyanese. <laughs> I guarantee you. Guyanese. Guy. He will make a word up. <laughs> Wakanda. He will make a word up. Listen, on this listen, podcast. listen. We gonna mess around and have a Marshall Dictionary. Forget I Webster's. Love it, man. I love you. Creative, <laughs> you, man. man. But the, the, when he says a word wrong, yeah. it actually, you know what he was saying. <laughs> no, no, that's it. It could be a, a total violation that's, that's of That's because our I'm speaking in the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to, so you got to, you need an interpreter. Shawanda. <laughs> so, wow. quick, so real quick back to you, PB. What, what, what's, what's, brought, so was it the, um, Barbara Skinner? Was that yeah. the. That was the catalyst of boy. Were you already on the road, and she just kind of put the finishing I, touch I, on? I it. think she 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 put me on the road because I okay. never knew how to marry those worlds. I never knew how to not be angry about injustice to a point where it made it unproductive. Ah. I think what she showed is that you can be strategically angry yeah. as yeah. opposed to you just mad mm-hmm. about racism in the world or you just don't say anything about it. No, you have a platform and you have a responsibility to engage with legislators, to be, to engage yourself on the Hill, to go and, and, and make your voice known. So you, so, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that I had the tools until I interacted with her that could make sense of how we could, you know, make, um, make a difference on a political level, on a policy level. And I think now Hmm. with, with some of the things we're doing in our church with our new organization, a new ministry called the Justice League, I think we're going to be making not just noise, but making a difference. All right, so let me play a little bit of not devil's advocate since we all pass this. Maybe I'll just be like be yourself, <laughs> Judas's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make this be you. Beelzebub. Yeah. <laughs> so look, 
why is this the church's responsibility? Uh, you know, you got okay. I mean, you you, you get what I'm saying? Like, come on. Okay, so I grew up knowing that the church is supposed to help us with spiritual growth. Right. Right. So, yeah. what does social justice have to do with my spiritual person? Why should the church mm. enter into that environment? You know, given all the other things that we got to do, people yeah. going to hell, people, mm-hmm. you know, shoot, you know, marriages you, falling apart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. there's such a big spiritual mental need. health problems and people coming in with bipolar <laughs> asking us to help them because it's a lot of energy That's going. Gotta go to, I mean, towards that. Yeah. energy, money. I mean, Resources, we got a big time. Can, absolutely. Facility. I think. I think I got to do a Larry Page and go back, then go forward, right? <laughs> All right let's do that. Because, <laughs> because when you look at the, the black church historically, it was always more than just a spiritual center for empowerment. No doubt about right? it. No so doubt it about was it. the epicenter for uh, justice and civil rights. It mm-hmm. was it was the, the birthing place for many of our historically black colleges and universities yeah. came out of black churches. And yeah. so... The black church has historically had to be more than just a saving station where you come to wow. know Jesus and get to heaven. It was the place that launched our 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 community leaders like Adam Clayton Powell and 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 Dr. King. Because if you That's were gonna good. be a community leader, one of the endorsements was the local church ordained you. Right. So you know, not not necessarily because you were such a follower of Christ, but be Here's an anointed young man, educated and smart. We're going to send him to school. We're going to license him for the ministry because you almost had to be a minister to get that hmm. affirmation to have the voice to lead the community, right? Wow. Right. So check this out. That's not new to the black church to right. be engaged in policy and justice and mm-hmm. marches and mm-hmm. organ. When when you look at the right the the the, the um, SCLC right mm-hmm. or the NAACP or whatever the uh, the, the 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 movement was to help bring about civil rights and justice. Most of those movements were organized, and the meetings were held in the fellowship halls or the sanctuaries of the black church. Right. Right. Now, fast forward to the Zion Church that comes out late '90s, early 2000s, and none of our models are your Ebenezer's or your black right. Sure. Right. Just right. social justice churches. All of our models are Saddleback, yeah, Willow Creek. Yeah. So we're we're following the examples of a church that doesn't really have to engage in social justice because their only social justice issue is around marriage and abortion. Mm. Wow. But our justice <laughs> issues around jobs, crime, reentry, recidivism. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Unemployment, injustices ah. in the financial system, can't get jobs, can't get loans, discrimination. Yeah. Like we got all this laundry list, but we took our example from a church that was just trying to reach heathen, so that's what we did. Right. Right. But now that we understand that those needs still exist and this is not new to the black church, we're just having kind of a reawakening of our responsibility and saying, hey, we need to be that again, too. Like our churches should have been. But again, we didn't grow up in churches. So at Mm. at the churches and we don't have to name the church. No, 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 no no doubt. No doubt. And we got a lot from those churches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got got mentored. We got disciples. We learn how to be husbands and fathers. Right. And followers of Christ. But did did those churches teach us to be leaders in the community at sure. the forefront of some of our issues, the con- controversial issues? No. They taught us to kind of almost separate ourselves from that and Absolutely. make sure we kind of homeschool our kids and yeah. right. we get them out of that public school system. Yep. Like So we kind of abandoned, left the city, 
Duh. We talk about gentrification. How about the the exit? Yeah. We always talk about <laughs> white people exodus. moving in. What about the black people that moved away yeah. from that no, that's stuff? Real. Man, we got to get up out of here, right? That's real. So that's where I think the the answer to your profound question that comes is that this is not a new responsibility of a church. It's only new to us because it wasn't on our it wasn't at the forefront of my thinking or our thinking as a leadership organization. But now we see now that we have this responsibility and it's and it's something that actually Big, is something that our that the black church has always had to be. Mm. It had to be the, the place that got that had Boy Scout meetings or whatever. Right, we right. had to have a league, a bowling league at, through the church because that was a, the way we would be accepted. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So we had to empower entrepreneurs and do and do hmm. those fairs and flea markets and the parking lots of churches that as I think back on hmm. a lot of the African Methodist Episcopal churches that were doing these kind of things because if it doesn't happen from the church, it is the most it is probably the most organized institution in the black community. Mm. Sure. So sure. anyway, sure. that's so you no, that's good. So I just want to make can you state the question one more time? No, no, was no. A, I was asking question, why man. is the church involved in these social yeah, movements man, when there's so question. much other things that the church that's can be focusing question. on? Right. Yeah, and you know, question. I think what you went into, this is our history. Yeah, this is where yeah. we you are. know, and I think we always I know I have at least. Let me speak for myself. Saw the church as just spiritual, sure, and it, you know, kind of removed the church from the culture. Me, God, grow closer to serve. Yeah, all about God. Me, God, you know. That's it. I mean, yeah. and, and not that, that not that the culture is not about God or social mm-hmm. justice is not about God, but I've always in my in my thinking removed the two or separated the two. All right, and separation I, of church and <laughs> state. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Do you feel like we're starting to embrace our own identity as a, as a, as a church? I know we sometimes we joke and say we were saddle black. <laughs> I mean, we, we copied the model, but it, it seems like our identity is being more clearly defined, and that may even make some people uncomfortable. So I, I'm wondering, do you, what, how would you see us now in our is this going to always yeah. be? Is this just a, a right now thing, <laughs> or is this going to be? I hope not. I hope this 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 revolving, this revolution, this evolution that okay. really has, has a historical root to it, that part of how I was introduced to faith, right. if you want to call it faith, as a child being aware of injustice, but not knowing how to marry that to my faith. Yeah. Kind of, I, I was telling Jason Jones, one of our pastors here, I said, when I walked onto the campus of Washington Bible College, I felt it was appropriate to leave all of that black yeah. power stuff off the campus because it didn't seem like the two could exist together. And I felt if one needed to be set aside for God, it needed to be that stuff because that stuff, I had an anger about me with that, right? It was just, it was, it was a different kind of energy that I would bring to the room mm. where there were people where we had that kind of conversation. So it's been a silence area. That's why when, when guys, you know, when when I would hear stuff that would trigger me, it would trigger that side of me, like, because I could go there. And But now I think when you understand that this this can't be, this, this injustice can't be righted just because we're pontificating on a podcast, on a website, we still have to have conversations with people who can make policies right, and level right, playing right, fields right, right. so that laws are made, uh. even if it means... You know what? You're gonna to have to take that question off the application 
And we're going to check and hold you accountable to make sure at an HR level that people who have done their time in prison get a fair chance to get a job. Because if they don't, then they're going to end up back in jail because they can't make money. It's like systemically we got to get to that place instead of hollering down with the white man or whatever. We got to look at the policy and then say we want to make a request that in your next hearing that this policy is brought to bear or the bail issue and like like having the – and, and I don't think we leave saving people and discipling people and all of that. It's just, it's not either or. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's both and. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, our response. I thank you for the, for the question, man. I yeah. Think that's very important. When you, when you think about what we're called to do, we're, we're called to reach lost people. Mm-hmm. I believe because we're a, a, approaching this subject. Right. For the first time, men who've been w- wanting to be a part of the church will finally say, they're talking to me. Wow. Yeah. They wow. actually care about what I deal with every day. Man. Mm. Because Man. y'all Negroes have gone on and got your degrees. <laughs> yeah, and right, right. You got a nice home. Yeah. My yeah. reality is a hustle. I'm right. still in that paradigm. Sure. Right. And so now my brothers have come back into my community and they're talking with me as if my struggle is theirs. Right. right. And not just coming at them with Jesus. Right. Like, brother, right. let me pray with you. Right. All you need. Nah, brother, right. we're going to pray. And I want to I want to introduce you to a to a to 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 the God who's changed my life. But I also want to introduce you to a program that can help you with some soft skills wow. or to some information. Wow. And I also want to help hook you up with some people who can make sure you get a fair shot at this. Ah. Like now we're coming with, I think, I think that's, that's the key. That's like, good. Because we, they've been getting people come to their door with, in the name of Jesus, knocking on the door saying, can we come pray with you? And right. They, and who ain't going to turn down Why did he prayer? look at the door, though, right now? When you, <laughs> well, you started knocking at right, 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 yeah. Somebody had the door. <laughs> Somebody had the door right now. Run Joe. <laughs> Police man. I definitely turned around. Boy, that's this, that, that's yeah. that stigma, boy. That's that fear. You heard stigma. people knocking the door. You had to go flush things on the toilet. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all foolish, man. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so when we, when yeah. we, you know, we have to have conversations with our sons, our daughters, right. our children, particularly our sons, that, that white people don't have to have. Like, Right. Look, let me tell you what to do when you see a siren behind you. Mm. This is what we're gonna go through. We're gonna role play. We have to get in the car because right. we want our sons to live. That's yeah. not something that white men have to do. They just don't have to. They don't have that. They don't have that pressure. That situation. If you, you know, son, this is why I don't want you to go down there at night with a hood on. Like, like you know, I'm cold or my ears were cold. Right? Yeah. yeah. But but you can get. You might get killed doing that. Why? Wow. Why? Wow. Like we have to have that conversation and that's that's real in our community, that's real with our people. And mm. and I'm glad we're having this conversation today right. and we're gonna have many more in the future. We're running out of time now. Any any final thoughts you guys wanna have or share today no, uh, man, with our audience? I, I just think, you know, we should always continue to stretch our thinking. 
Mm -hmm. you know not just expose ourselves to one thing Mm -hmm. and for so long i was only exposed to one way of doing church Mm -hmm. one way of doing justice but maybe there's something new something innovative something we haven't thought about Mm -hmm. um like you're you're doing now yeah and it's not necessarily new but it's definitely new to my generation because in my generation we came up as you go to sunday school for sunday school stuff Mm -hmm. and then you go to naacp for social stuff mm-hmm. right but right. now i see that there's a marriage between mm-hmm. faith religion and culture and social justice that i think you're introducing at your church so it's just it's great yeah, well, you, our church i said you, you, church. you've motivated me let's say you resigned on it John? <laughs> during, the, during the podcast you but you motivated me to become a student again mm-hmm. um and i and i realized and i don't know if y'all were have been impacted by it but there was a label called social gospel mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's been attached to sure. uh, at least my faith paradigm yep the way that i see faith and i've always viewed that as negative yep like Absolutely. you don't want to get caught up in social gospel the black black issues was attached to mm-hmm. social gospel i immediately distanced myself yep. from that yep now i'm learning to embrace it and so these kind of conversations um, the shift in our ministry mm-hmm. is really motivating me to start loving myself and my people. Hey, isn't it interesting that the people who started labeling community engagement as social gospel are people who had their theology shaped by white evangelicals? Wow. Mm. So, wow. so because we went outside, so, so whenever we go outside of the paradigm of just taking people through the Romans road and, yeah, yeah. Right. and mentoring them spiritually. Yeah. We start talking about how to help somebody, you know, get on their feet and, and helping people and going uh, uh, like homeless shelters and doing social engagement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. called social gospel. But what, how, what, why wouldn't the gospel be social? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. It's right. A, his blood should be dripping all over nah. society. Is, right, right, right. If yeah. that right. blood can't hit the social issues, then we have a gospel or redemption that's limited yeah. to a to a to a world that is already securely um, developed and 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 all of that. That gospel, if we used to sing that that blood reaches to the highest mountain yeah. mm, and well, it flows to the lowest well, mountain, right? Do, right? Well, so, so this <laughs> blood's got to hit the society. Yeah. And 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 we I I love that what we've been talking about today, y'all is. How many of us young black leaders or middle-aged black leaders in the local church have actually been programmed in a way yeah. that has disconnected us to the very people we're called to serve? Wow! Right? Wow! In a very comprehensive way. Wow! And that's been our development. So our seminaries, like I didn't go to Howard. I didn't right. go I didn't to uh, right. Right. Uh, uh, Virginia Union. You I've, know. So I went to a white school. All three and of us. And then true. we were told if you didn't go to Dallas <laughs> Theological Seminary, that's you right. all came up short yeah. anyway. That's yeah. right. But yeah. that's a that's and so. This yeah, is this is job. very very helpful to have this conversation, job. and we'd love to hear y'all hit us up at the bottom of this uh, post. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you your thoughts on this and spread this around. And um, we got nothing but love for y'all, and so grateful that you tuned in today. And check us out next time when we get together for the Keep Battle Podcast. God bless you.